Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Look at my butt. Now look at my front butt.
Yep. And we're going to get into the movies of that year. This is a year of small movies, and we'll explain it once we really start going. Because this is one of the last years you would see small indie U.S. films get pretty much pretty decent releases in theaters. Mm-hmm. Not that there weren't big films out there either, because, of course, there were. Oh, there was big films, like uh, or the, the one we're going off of is the INDB feature film released between 1980-01-01 and 1980-12-31, sort of by popularity. I mean, we had the big ones like uh, The Shining, The Blue Lagoon, which is a creepy-ass motherfucking movie. I would say The Blue Lagoon's creepier than The Shining. Well, either that or Pretty Baby, one of the two. I'm just talking 1980. And then we had uh, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, the biggest film of the year, Caddyshack, the Blues Brothers. And speaking of Caddyshack, what was your favorite? uh, Well, we've already discussed This was the first movie to really bring Rodney Dangerfield into big. I mean, he had... Didn't Easy Money come out right before Caddyshack? No. No, Caddyshack was his first major film. Now, he had made his debut in 1970 in a very small film called The Projectionist. But he was much more known as a comedian, and so he was running the the Carson show and all those shows. Yeah. And doing so much there. But this was his first major film. you know, other than the projectionist, but that wasn't really. And the major. best thing about him and Caddyshack is ninety percent of his dialogue was pretty much improvised off the seat of his cuff, and you could tell. Oh yeah. It started out yeah, as but... a teen movie about these caddies fucking each other, but then Bill Murray and the Rodney Dangerfield just came in and took over the damn movie. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and, and Murray's part was. Almost all improvised also. Yeah. And we had Airplane, which started a whole genre of its own. Mm-hmm. Steven, do you like Gladiator movies? Yeah. I speak jive. <laughs> and that whole thing was improvised by her. <laughs> yeah. But really, airplane is a bad thing because it started that whole joke, 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 machine gun. No, it didn't start that. It didn't. That goes back so far. It's not even funny. Go back. Go back to the Marx Brothers. Go back to the Ritz Brothers. Yeah, but even the Marx Brothers had that breath between jokes. This started like... Not really. What are those? What are those? Oh, those are levies. Oh, is that where the Jewish people live? Oh, we'll pass over that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. really. They popped. Okay, fine. But, you know, airplanes started that, and nowadays that's all you see. You play McGlynn and all that. You saw, All you see is these machine gun jokes. They throw out 40 jokes knowing that 39 of them are going to bomb, and they're just hoping for the 40th one to hit. And it's not Yeah, but fun. the thing about an airplane, 
is that damn near every one of them hits. Yeah. And then we got rating bullshit. <laughs> nah, it's raging bull. Raging bullshit yeah. is something different that we have to thank Mark Pirro for. But that's beside the point. Well, he was making fun of this movie, and this is what it is. It's bullshit. Then we got Flash Gordon, which was kind of a bomb back then, but goddamn, is it fun. Brian Blessed, Timothy Dalton, Moxman, Smackbound, Cedo, Topol. We don't even have to ask. Ornella Muti. Let's not forget Ornella. Oh, Ornella Ornella Muti. God, yeah. <laughs> we yep. would torture her, but she would like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's easy to yeah. tell who's having the most fun in that movie, isn't it? Oh, without a doubt. Brian Blessed. <laughs> God bless it, Brian Who wants blessed. to live forever? <laughs> Friday the 13th, the movie that started a franchise, and the first, the second film, and the first film that really made normal people look at uh, David Lynch and go, wow, you're good, and that's The Elephant Man. Yep. Ah, Yeah, and and the nice thing about that, the nice thing about that is that, of course, it was produced by Mel Brooks and Brooks Films. And he basically, you know, the, uh, the the studio was afraid of, of Lynch, and he said, you let him do what he does. And, and, and he stood right by him. Got to give Mel some credit for that. Yeah, people forget that Brooks film in the 80s really was groundbreaking. We wouldn't have David Lynch if it wasn't for Brooks films. We really wouldn't have... Mm-hmm. The second generation of David Cronenberg, if it wasn't for Brooks Films. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very true. And then we had Urban Cowboy, which the movie is okay, but Scott Glenn stole that fucking movie as the bad guy. Oh, what do you expect? It's fucking Scott Glenn. Yeah, this is the first movie where we were like, who is this guy? He is very badass. We want to watch more of him. <laughs> yep. And then we have the movie that killed, dead, the new Hollywood movement. And there's been so many dates. Was this done on purpose as a hit job? Or was this stupidity on the studio? I don't know. And it's Heaven's Gate. Watch the long version. We've talked about it on other shows. Next is uh, Stir Crazy. Sidney Portier directs Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. But there's only one scene in that movie that fucking stands out. Yep. Where that big guy, I forget his name, sorry to him. Things uh, they're hanging me tonight. Yeah, I don't remember the film that well. You remember that song where he's like, "Oh, send her my love, dear, send her my love." You know, was it Barry White? 
No. What it was, it's the guy who played Dynamo and Running Man. But what it, what we didn't know is that he was a trained opera singer. Nice. Yeah, so that's, so it's one of those, it's like, you see this big giant guy and this very beautiful fucking voice comes out of it. Mm-hmm. And next is nice. The Final Countdown, which is a good movie. It's one of the, uh, it's an underrated sci-fi film. Yep. And it led to one of the funniest moments ever in Lloyd Kaufman's books. He was a producer on that. And he said mm-hmm. while doing the movie, he was uh, having trouble. And Kirk Douglas walked up to him and said, Lloyd, you're the worst Jew I've ever met in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I don't remember and that next film is Superman at all. Two, and, and next is the best Oscar winner that no one has seen. I don't think I've seen all of the movies. And I know Carl hasn't. Ordinary people. No, that's not true. I have seen it years ago, but I've seen it all the way through. It still sucks dick. I didn't say it didn't, did I? Didn't it may like be it. one of the whitest movies ever to win an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Even Judd Hirsch plays a plays a wasp. Judd Hirsch. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those movies you walk out and you're like, "Ooh, a killer wasp movie!" What do you mean? They kept talking about nothing but wasps in that movie, and then you go watch it, and it's <laughs> ordinary people. <laughs> and next is the fog which we talked before, and I say this has the perfect first half of the movie, and the second half could have been better. Yeah, agreed. And next is Dress to Kill, which sucks. And next is Nine to Five, which wasn't that bad. Well, the best thing about Nine to Five, okay, and I'm not saying anything about the ladies, but the what? person who steals it is Dabney Coleman. Yeah. The problem with it is that Dabney Coleman vanishes for most of the third act, and the third act doesn't work. The first two acts are mean as fuck. Yeah. And then you get this nice, happy third act, and it doesn't work. No, it doesn't. And then there's Any Which Way You Can, which is a redneck classic. And next is Cocaine the Movie. (laughs) So what is Cocaine the Movie? Popeye. What's the actual title? Popeye. Shall we explain why it's Cocaine the Movie? Go ahead, Carl. So just think it's it's the early 80s, and you have... uh, Harry Nilsson doing the music. Okay. You have Robin Williams. And let's see, who else is in there? A bunch of other people. And they have a table, a kitchen, not a kitchen table, but a, like, uh, cafeteria table with three inches of cocaine all throughout the goddamn table. 
And when when Robin Williams comes up there and does a hit, and like, I'm so good, look at this hit, and Harry Nilsson taps him on the shoulder as amateur. <laughs> and like, takes a massive fucking hit. You know that the movie is 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 out of control, and it's wonderful. Then Robert Altman out does both of them. This is the year of Robert Altman on cocaine movies. Let's get the second one out of the way too. Health too. This is the year of Robert Altman on cocaine movies. (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? I love Popeye. I do. I really like. You know, one thing about Popeye, you can watch it. A year down the line, watch it again. You'll see a completely different movie because you'll notice shit that you didn't notice the first time. And yeah, what do you think of Health? Health is okay, but it's not nearly one of his best. It's like I told you earlier today. When I first seen it, I thought it was a bad Altman ripoff. And then you found out. And then it, it was an really an Altman. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And next is the movie that everyone who's watched a New World, a Roger Corman film, has seen a hundred times without even seeing the movie, and that is Battle Beyond the Stars, which I like better than Empire Strikes Back. It's just more fun. An alien version of uh, The Magnificent Seven with Robert Vaughn playing the exact same damn role he played in the original movie. And George Papard, Richard Thomas, John Saxon. Um, and yeah. basically, you say Magnificent Seven, but go back earlier, and it's really Magnificent Seven is a, uh, a remake of The Seven Samurai. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And, so, yeah, and, and, and you've I seen this that, plot. Battle Beyond the Stars is a remake of The Magnificent Seven. Right, exactly. That's when you get into some weird semantics there, but... Moving on, next is Fame, which isn't that bad. Not that good. No, I actually, I actually had the pleasure of meeting Irene Cara. Um, when I was working... Yeah, and she was a sweetheart. You said her naked? No, not naked. That's what I had. You said, yeah, I'm like, God damn, son. Yeah. <laughs> I did I'm not see her <laughs> I was working for Carla at the time, and, and we had these trips on the boat where we would uh, give awards to uh, uh, Latinx performers, and, and one year it was uh, Irene Cara. So I got to meet her on a couple occasions. Nice, nice lady. What's funny is Fame is one of the only mainstream movies to ever give props to Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yep. Very true. And it had a decent score. And, and it's a good Alan Parker film. Alan was a really good director in the 70s and particularly the 80s. Yeah. Next is Maniac, which what can we say about that besides we love fucking Joe Spinell. Joe Next Spinell is, is God. You know what? I'll tell you something about Xanadu. Uh, it is not a good movie. But God damn, when Gene Kelly comes on, it's still magic. Oh, God, him. yeah. 
seriously. They asked Louis Newton, John and Michael back. He said, are you embarrassed about Xanadu? They're like, we got the dance of Gene Kelly. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's not that bad. It's not that good. People compare it to Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Now that movie is sticking ice picks in your ears bad. But next is Private Benjamin, which is one of the meanest Goldie Hawn films ever seen. And that's mm-hmm. saying something. And I'll tell you what, again, the person that steals that movie is Eileen Brennan. She's oh, God, freaking yeah. awesome. Yeah. And next is one of the most debated movies of all time, which I fucking love. How can you not love a movie that has Joe Spinell as a gay cop who picks up transvestite hookers to molest or he'll arrest them? How can you not love that? How can you not love Al Pacino getting bitch slapped by a cowboy and wearing nothing but chaps and a cowboy hat <laughs> in the middle of a police or, station? Or then there's Powers Booth telling you all about the hanky code. Yeah, yeah. And the brown one means, uh, I'll choose later. I'm sure you'll make the right decision. <laughs> The problem with cruising is that the straight gay community in 1980 didn't want the normal world to know about the rough leather trade community. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Unfortunate. To me, it's a very problematic film for me. Um, I think it's a good film, but I understand why people don't like it, and I get it. With oh, yeah, and I'm actually one of the ones that don't like it. One of the things no. that I would have changed is I wouldn't have made Pacino's care. I would have hired an actor that would have been cool with the role and not completely nervous about it like Pacino was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, of course, Cruisin' had one of the best goddamn soundtracks in the early 80s. Not that it had anything to do with reality. No, because you wouldn't hear stuff like The Germs, Willie DeVille, any of the great music on that soundtrack at a real gay club. No, you're not going to, trust me. Nope, not going to happen. Next is Somewhere in Time, which I consider one of the five best Richard Matheson adaptions ever. What do you can put it on that thing, on that scale? I I like the film a lot. I prefer other things that he's written. Uh, this is maybe just a little too trickly for my taste. That being said, it's really extremely well done. And it's weird is that the science of time travel in this movie is based on someone's actual filed science paper. Mm-hmm. Next is Changeling, which all we can say is 
We fucking love this movie. This is one of the best, if not the best, fucking ghost story of the fucking 80s. If you do not like oh, this movie, not... fuck you. <laughs> yeah, and one of George C. Scott's best roles. Um, and, and the other thing, too, is, you know, you see... You see uh, um, um, what do they call it when you have a, a you see seance all the time Spirit in, in films like this okay this is the most freaky ass scary fucking seance you've ever seen in your life red rubber ball and oh my god to this day I will not allow a red rubber ball wherever I live not gonna you gotta admit that. that was one of the best uh Moments we ever had with them with him watching that the first time with us and him getting the shit scared out of him through most of the movie. <laughs> it's brilliant film. It is a brilliant film. Uh, Peter Maddock is one of the great directors, underrated directors. Uh, and, and it's just a fantastic role for Scott. Even Trish Van Der Veer, who, who was his wife at the time, well, I don't think is a great actress. She did just fine, too. There's not one weak thing in this movie, and it's frightening as fuck. Yeah. Next is The Gods Must Be Crazy. Eh, moving on. Altered States. This, for a lot of us, was how we, my generation, this is how we broke our Ken Russell cherry. Yep. We've seen this on HBO and said, this is the weirdest fucking shit we've ever seen. We want some more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, written by Patty Shayevsky, and, and uh, he uh, pulled his name off of it. I was in college at the time, and I was writing reviews for the college paper, uh, and I did a review of this, uh, which also was in the Bradford Journal. Uh not realizing it was Patty Shiaski. But I love this movie. And it was also the first time we ever really saw William Hurt. And 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 just a really good solid film. And it's a great gateway film to uh Ken Russell's work. It is the gateway film. Yeah. I would I would call that the gateway film. Absolutely. And next is the film that most people call a dry run for Ron, and I can see it. And that's Kagemusha. Okay, you missed prom night. I thought you were going to hit prom night. Yeah, upside the head with a baseball bat. It's a piece of shit. It's boring. <laughs> okay, oh. never mind. Okay. <laughs> well, Kagemusha, okay, so I'm going to take this one uh, a bit. Uh, this is an interesting period for, for um, uh, Kurosawa because uh, he basically, Japan turned on him and, and, and so he went with foreign uh, uh, um, foreign money. He, uh, previous to this, did Derzu Osala, which was financed uh, by, by uh, Russia, the USSR. Uh, this one was financed uh, between France, Russia, and I think Italy. Um, and basically the story is, is a petty thief, uh, has a resemblance to a samurai, 
and is hired as the Lord's double. And then when the warlord later dies, the thief is forced to take take up arms in his place. And it's a really fine Shakespearean style movie, and I can understand exactly why you say it's a it's a, a warm up to Ron. Because no, I think in a lot of ways you're right. Say. I can see it, but most people say that it's a dry run for a Ron. Yeah, and I can see that. I can see that. And but I'll tell you what, it might not be as good as Ron. I think Ron is his his uh, uh, best film he ever did, uh, of, of his late period anyway. But this is really good, too. Kakamusha, I saw this in the theater. If you can uh, see it, you have to see Kagemusha in the best quality print you can because it is so fucking colorful and gorgeous. Oh, it's a fucking look. It's just so good. The fact that Moscow shouldn't shed no tears, which I didn't like, and beat this for best foreign film is bullshit. Yeah, agreed. Moving on. Next is the first 80s movie ever. This looked like the 80s. This had 80s new wave music. This had one of the biggest 80s stars in it, and that's American Gigolo. It's just too bad. Paul Schrader's great writing, good acting from Richard Gere, Bill Duke, uh, Warren Hutton, Hector Lozondo was wasted on such a generic fucking plot. I didn't like the film. This is probably my least favorite of Schrader's films. I think Gare is miscast. Or at least he's not... He doesn't hold attention for me. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I don't I don't like it. And next is a film that... On paper, you wouldn't expect it to be as good as it was. But then you look at the pedigree. Tommy Lee Jones, Sissy Spacek, Michael Apted. Holy Levon Helm. What? Levon Helm. And holy shit, was Coal Miner's daughter good. Yeah, well, well, won the Oscar, too. And and won uh, Sissy Spacek. The best actress. Yep, and, and, and I'll tell you what, she does her own singing, and she does her own singing. Yeah. And uh, and, and and it's of course a uh, biopic of Loretta Lynn, uh, and, and it's really a good soft film. And Michael Apted is one of those directors I think that's really forgotten these days, and and he's a really fine director. He does that's- he does more prestige. Yeah, uh, that's because he's an like, invisible director, and that's a good thing, but that's a hindrance if you want to be a rock star director. Yeah, yeah, he's he's not. He's a, one of the best, uh, 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 what do we call them, um, workman-like directors, you know. No, uh, I call uh, him an invisible director because he vanishes. The movie does the talking, not him. There's no such thing as a Michael Apted shot, a Michael Apted flourish. Right. No, he I just agree. Let the I movie agree. be the movie. Right. 
like late period but he's one of those, He's one of those workman like directors like Hyams and, and, and uh Richard Flesher and that. You know, they go picture to picture and they do the job and they go on and do the next job. And and there's nothing wrong with that. He he's a great director. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Hold on, I accidentally pushed the wrong button. You tell me what the next title is, and I'll tell you if you want to skip it. My Bodyguard. Please skip. Yeah, but whose first role was it of? That's the big thing to mention. Who plays the bodyguard? Was that Adam Baldwin? No, Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh, D'Onofrio, okay. He's the only really memorable thing about that movie is Vincent D'Onofrio. Mm-hmm. And we're going to skip the next two because fuck them. And then we got the best humans getting raped by fish movie ever made. <laughs> and it was directed by a woman. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, well, co-directed. Jimmy Barkami also did some work on it too. Yeah. Um, Humanoids from the, bar- the deep. Yeah. yeah. Squishy sex. If you're into squishy sex, by all means. No, I think like it gives a new name for water sports. Movies, this is a must see. Oh yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, now moving on. Let's see. Da, da, da. You oh, we got to talk. Robert oh, fuck yeah. first film and his most forgotten one. Unless you really and like his comedy. best film. And his best film as far as I'm concerned. This is just so oh, obviously And so wonderful. And Jack Warden plays double roles in this. Garrett Graham, Kurt Russell, I uh, forget who the girl is, and then you've got Alfonso Arau as a used Mexican used car dealer who always uh, grabs his crotch, uh, <laughs> and he directed films like um, uh, Like Water for Chocolate. This is a just a fucking hysterical movie. Let's not forget Mayor Al Lewis is in this too. Yeah. Uh, 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 otherwise known as Grandpa Monster. Uh, and this I love is this mean movie. as shit, too. Say that again? It's mean as shit. My favorite mean gag oh. in the movie is where they put the balloon under the tire. Yeah. And then when the guy runs over it, they had the dog play dead, and then the little boy, You uh, killed my dog! Yeah. You killed my dog! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's mean as shit. And then the fake commercials are just fucking hysterical. Yeah. It's in such bad taste, and it's beautiful. Seriously, if you have never seen this movie, find a way to watch it, because you will not be disappointed. I love this movie. Top five comedies of all time, without a doubt. And next, when this movie came out, it was called a gimmick movie. What a fucking said, gimmick. Oh, this movie's all about the gimmick. It's all about the gimmick. 
And when it came out, holy shit, the reviews it got. Oh, yeah. And that is Walter Hill's The Long Riders with the Carradine brothers, the Quaid brothers, the Keats brothers, and what's his name who just... What's his name who did a Spinal Tap and uh Christopher Guest. The Guest Brothers. Yeah, the Guest Brothers. Playing the Youngers, the 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 all of those. the James Brothers, Younger Brothers and yeah. whoever else. And this is set during the last uh years of the young of the Jesse the James right. Brothers. And it's good. Next is and who's Inferno. the woman that plays Bell Star? Who's the woman that plays Bell Star in this? Oh, Pamela Reed. Yeah. Pamela Reed. Yeah, is Pamela just... Reed. She is so fucking good in this. Oh yeah. And then on top of everything else, one of Bright Cooter's best scores. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. And next is Dario Gentle's follow up. Suspiria Inferno which is okay moving on The Mirror Crack this is the movie that killed the Agatha Christie franchise yep and next Carl yeah do you think I'm going bald yeah I think you are going bald hey am I going bald am I okay (laughs) And that is Alligator The most fun Horror film to come out this year Yes, even more fun than Humanoids of the Deep Alligator is just Jaw-droppingly grin-inducing fun Oh, man And and let's not forget It has a a script by John Sales It has Robert fucking Forster And? It has uh, And keep going Tell us who else. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the one that was the NL boss. Henry Silva is the big oh, game Oh, yeah, hunter. Henry Silva. Yeah, who the alligator fucking alley? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Michael Gotso, Dean Jagger. I mean, it's just so much fun. Love this movie. Oh, God, yeah. And what film do you think, Carl, really kicked off the mafia, the 80s noir, the style, the the tone and everything. Well, you know, I, I, I know because we're on the same list. That would be yeah. John McKenzie's The Long Good Friday. Good Friday. This is the first film to have Bob Hoskins and it has Mel and Helen Mirren in it, so Carl's going to say that. But good God, this is one of the best fucking noirs ever. If you love noir and you haven't seen this, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Bob Hoskins uh, plays a gangster who uh, is trying to make a deal with the American mob, but someone is killing his guys and he's trying to find out who. Yep. And it has one of the bleakest fucking endings in noir history. Yep. Yeah, and and this is the movie that really introduced us to Bob Hoskins. 
And in many ways, I think it introduced people to Helen Mirren. I knew who she was before that. You know, but, no, but, you're forgetting. Yeah. Eating pussy at a Roman orgy. <laughs> yeah, but that didn't come out until 81. This is 1980. Yeah. Most, most of what's been in is British uh, films. Yeah. And next is a movie directed by Cliff Booth and starring, oh, I'll ruin the joke because I forget what DiCaprio's character is. But still, Howard Needham, Burt Reynolds, Smokey and the Bandit 2. Not as good as the first one, but it has some good stunts in it. Yep. And next is a movie that didn't get good reviews because we didn't get to see the fucking movie. <laughs> Not until much later. And that is Sam Fuller's The Big Red One. Well, I'll tell you this. I did see the theatrical cut of this. And and I saw it in the theater. And I liked it. But I could also tell there was more to it that wasn't there. Yeah, this is the best movie about the boredom of war ever made. That and Steel Helmet. And, of course, both yeah. of them, Sam Fuller. Fuller. And next is the movie that made Carl love lemons. No, it's made me hate David Copperfield. No, we're skipping that one because it's okay. What's his name? The cowboy star is good in it. But Terror Train's a bet, one of the better slashers, but moving on. I'd rather talk about Susan Sarandon's tits and lemon juice. <laughs> uh yeah, I can understand that. But and I'll tell you what, as much as love, we've always talked about Burt Lancaster going on, out doing different stuff. Hold on. As much as we love Susan Sarandon in this, this is Burt Lancaster. And late Burt Lancaster in the 70s and 80s, I think it's his best period as an actor. Oh, God, yeah. He, because he takes chances. And he's wonderful in this movie, and it's heartbreaking, and it's such a great film. And, and Louis Malle, it's done by a French director. So it's French director looking at American uh, uh, American society at the time, and, and particularly the undercarriage of it. And it's just a wonderful film, and it's so unique and so LJ. Melancholy. Yeah. And melancholy too. Okay, we're done with that. Yeah, just watch it. It's great. Next is Lucio Fulci, City of the Living Dead, which is a grindhouse classic. Same with Eaten Alive. Eaten Alive is great because you get to see Robert Kerman play the Indiana Jones badass role, and you get to see him with a big shit-eating grin all through the movie as he's fucking kicking cannibal native ass and just having a fucking blast being the badass Indiana Jones type character. Mm-hmm. I mean, it opens with him what? doing like a arm wrestling fucking match over two knives on a table with the blades up. And he's grinning the whole time like, God, I get to be the badass. God, I get to be the badass. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
So, so which of those two movies, City of the Living Dead and Eaten Alive, do you uh, do you recommend both, or do you think one is better than the other? Both. They're both fun. And next okay. is an odd one because before this, you had Clint Eastwood doing uh, pro-conservative movies and stuff, but then you had the outlaw Josie Wales. Which shows him really doing that. And then Bronco Billy, which is a good fucking movie and it's very interesting to watch. What do you think no. of Bronco Billy? I thought it was okay. I don't think it's one of his best. However, I do have to say something. Gotta love any movie that Scatman's in. And he has a nice little role in this. Yeah, I love the whole family dynamic that the whole crew was like hippies and stuff like that, you know. Oh, yeah. Not what you would expect from a Clean Eastwood or that type of old West conservative character. Right. And next is one of Ben Carl's most favoritest movies of all time, The Nice Configuration. Watch it, love it. Or foot will come to your house and stomp on you. <laughs> and, and also worship at the uh, altar of Stacy Keach and Scott Wilson. And, and Jason Miller. the comedy and duo of uh, Joe Spinell and Jason Miller. Miller. Hell, just the scenes of Jay. And there is a sequel out there. They sit on the projection booth and I say it. And there is a sequel out there to the nice configuration. It's just two hours of Spinell and Miller riffing off each other, trying to get the play started of uh, Shakespeare for Dogs. <laughs> it only yeah, exists yeah, in print in Spain. It's in Spanish. And it, they won't let it out of Spain. So we'll never get to see it, but it does exist. Damn, I would like to see that, actually. I know, that's our dream film. I mean, they're just so great in there. (laughs) (laughs) Are you through? Are you through? Are you through? No. That's me and you. Uh, Miller's going blah, 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 like you, and I'm like, are you done? Are you done? Are you done? (laughs) (laughs) Just watch it, love it. Next is Steve McQueen's last film, uh, The Hunter. I just wish it was better. Yep. And then we got the Hollywood Nights, which is one of the best American graffiti ripoffs there is. You wouldn't think that, but it really is one of the best ones, wouldn't you say? Yeah, well, well, one of the things about it is Floyd Mutrucks only did a couple of films, but the films he did were interesting. You know, they they were well put together. Uh, American Hot Wax maybe uh, isn't as good because it doesn't give, uh, what's his name, shrift. Like it should, but but they're both, you know, he was a good director. And Tony Dancer's good in this, too. Uh, so is definitely uh, a American graffiti. Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, what's his name, that starred in it, that ended up starring in Wise Guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I can't think of his name. Um, Ken Wall. Yeah, Ken Wall. 
And next is a movie that we really haven't got to see yet. And though I wish Disney would release that fucking movie, and that's The Watcher in the Woods. Is this one of the movies where there's a supposed, like a PG-13 or or an R-rated cut? There's three fucking filmed endings to this movie, man. Three! Yep. Yeah, this is a movie where Disney wanted to make a PG, but John Howe made a fucking R-rated, darker film. And then they hired Vincent McKeevery to make a softer film. Yep. Well, what did I expect from the guy that did did um, uh, The Legend of Hell House for crying out fucking loud? Yeah. I mean, the version that's out there is still damn creepy, but you can tell there's something missing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, Carl, what do you get when you put Steve James, Christopher George, Samantha Egar, and Robert Ginty in a movie together? Uh, you know, I think I have termites. I think I need someone to get rid of my termites. Yeah. Good God, is this a sleazy fucking action classic. Well, look who fucking directed it. Yeah. James Glickenhouse, I think this was his first big movie, but God, I love this fucking movie. Especially if you can get it uncut. If you want wheezy, wonderful 80s action films, just look for the name Jim James Glickenhouse's director. And I'm not joking. No. Not joking. Good job. Uh, foxes. We'll skip over that. And next is one I think you told me you liked, and that's the competition with Richard Dreyfuss and Amy Irving. Uh, it's okay. I wish it was. Uh, uh, I'm not a big fan of romance, and and uh, they set this up as two very fine pianists who are in a competition, and of course they fall in love, and they have to compete against each other, and all that bullshit. But when you get into the piano competition itself, and of course neither one of them actually plays it, they they hired uh, uh, I forget who did it, but have to look. But uh, uh, the the piano playing and the classical music is just fantastic. It seriously is. Yeah. From what I heard, they changed the ending for to make it a little bit nicer from. Uh... Richard Dreyfuss being a son of a bitch and really fucking over Amy Irving's character. Yeah. And next we have an art film. This film is such a beautiful art film that talks about the dangers of of, uh, human overconsumption of the world's product and the pure desolateness of the world and the pure futility of a combat unit going into the jungle to deal with said problem and ended up getting killed because of their macho arrogance. And that uh, is brutalized Steven, 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 
Take your oh, fucking meds. It's called Classic. Hell of the Living Dead. It's Bruno Batai. Let's fucking move on. <laughs> it's a fucking art film classic. Deal with it. Fuck you. It's a grindhouse piece of shit. <laughs> it ain't a piece of shit. It's fun. Next is Midnight Madness, the very first PG movie that Disney ever put out. And it's about pinball. No, it's a scavenger hunt. Yeah. Um. And next is... What are you going to tell your boss, Carl? You got beat by a woman? Where's your fucking balls, Carl? You got beat by a woman, you fucking You got beat by a... You pussy, you got beat by a woman. That's the line. Yeah. In a PG-rated movie. And that is John <laughs> Cassavetes action classic Gloria. God damn, is this good. And you know what? Don't forget who plays the villain in the movie. Buck Henry. Yeah, Buck fucking Henry. And Gina Rollins just, oh my God. That woman can do no wrong. Seriously. What a great role for her. And the little kid is really good, too. You know, really now, this one fine is on our must-see And next is the best edited compilation film of two films ever done. Usually when you see dubbed kung fu or samurai film, you'll think, oh, God, this is going to be shit. But for some reason, Shogun Assassin just breaks all the goddamn rules. Yeah. Yeah, Amazing great film. Soundtrack, fucking great re-editing. Just damn. Yep. Agreed. And we have Cheech and Chong's next movie, or as us fans call it, the one without a fucking plot. Huh. Aren't they all basically without a plot? <laughs> no. The Up in Smoke has a plot. Nice Dreams has a plot. This one is just them just wandering around for a fucking day and night. And this is the one that has that beautiful song that I like playing on every single one of Mayo. That's Mexican-Americans. Mexicans don't like to, don't like to answer the phone, but they have to. This one is just fun And next is a movie that It says come out in 1982 Didn't come out here Until the Criterion DVD come out And that's Bad Timing Essential Obsession Now that's not true Because Because this did play New York And it did play L.A. Oh, okay. uh, and it was it was also on HBO. I finally saw it on HBO. And Playboy. That's how I've seen it. Yeah. Uh, uh, it is dark as shit. It is not pleasant. And if you're look if you're looking for sex scenes, it's like watching. What's the one with um with Nicholson and Ann Margaret uh, that was done by Jules Pfeiffer? This makes carnal knowledge look like a kitty show. Yes, and it has our Garfunkel. 
odd bit of choice, but it actually works. Yeah, Art Garfunkel, Teresa Russell, Harvey Keitel, The Home Elevate, and directed by Nicholas Rogue. God, is it good. Dark, but good. And yeah, next agreed. is Galaxy. And there's only one reason why it's even remembered and talked about nowadays is that this film was done about three years before Dorothy. No, this was done right before Dorothy Stratton was murdered by her husband. Right, exactly. We're Which then over this became one. the movie Star 80. Yeah. And here's one I know that Carl loves, 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 loves. And that's Melvin and Howard. Well, you know what? You're you're forgetting Brubaker, and we should at least make a comment on Brubaker. Because you know what? For 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 the film, it is it's a damn good one. It's also one of the first movies that Morgan Freeman was in. This was. Yeah, and of course we're talking Robert Redford. That's a good little film. Morgan Freeman. Yeah, it was his first movie, I think, or at least the first one that I saw on that. Yeah, it was his first movie. Before that, he was in The Electric Company. Right. He's a reader. You know, and Yafet Koto, too. Don't forget Yafet Koto's in that. Oh, God, no. Yeah, it's good. It's all. Melvin and Howard, that was, that's one of your favorites of Demi, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I I think in many ways it was one uh Certainly top three films of the year for me. I love this movie. I just adore this film. And, and Jason Robards, I, be, I, I became such a fan of Jason Robards because of this. And as much as you see you know, Howard Hughes biopics and, and, and uh, The Aviator, which, of course, uh, I think that was Scorsese, uh, this is the one that I think really gets to the heart of it. Uh, and of course the story is that this guy uh, meets this, uh, uh, picks up uh, this guy who claims he's Howard Hughes, uh, hitchhiking, takes him to where he wants to go and finds out a couple of years later when he dies that uh, all his money has been uh, given to him. And it's based on a true story. And of course, yeah. unfortunately, the guy doesn't get the money. Uh, but it's a wonderful look of Americana, and it's, it's such a sweet-natured film, and I love it. Yeah. And moving on, here we have two Grindhouse classics, and that's all I'll say about them, and that's John Rollins, The Night of the Hundred, and Anthropophagus. And then we have two I like movies. Night of the Hundred. What? I like Night of the Hundred. Yeah. I do. And then we have two movies that really pin down what I call 1980, the year of the small film. And second was this small film about when it came out, it didn't have that much ads. It's just this crazy guy with a pig on his head, and that's uh, Motel Hell. If you watch the trailer, you think you're going to get a fucking hardcore horror film. But <laughs> you don't. Oh God! I just you remember, Stephen. black comedies you ever fucking see. Okay, so so basically, there are two great jokes in this that I love. 
One is there is a um, so what they do is they basically take people, slit their throat and get their blood and so on and so forth, and they make a sausage out of it. Fatten them up. And so there's there's this group that comes by the hotel, and they're called Ivan and the Terribles, punk rock group. And guess who is the drummer of the punk rock group? Uh, what's his name from Tears? Norm from Tears. John Ratzenberg. Yeah. But that's not the best line in the whole movie. Best line, and, and spoilers, the last line that Roy Collins says, he's on his deathbed, and then calls the guy over and says, I'm sorry. What for? No, no, no. I use... Okay, go ahead. I'm the biggest hypocrite of them all. That's it. I use preservatives. <laughs> <laughs> It's beautiful. It's beautiful. There's just so much hilarity in that movie. Like, uh, there's this one thing where these little kids are freaking out in the car. He's like, "Oh, don't worry, I'll help them." So he jumps in front of the window, Roar! and the little kids go, "Wow!" <laughs> <laughs> this was a really good period for for Roy. He got back because of this film, and then uh, uh, a couple years later, he was in all three of the Avenging Angel films, the Angel films. And he's wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. And next is one of the... The small great art films that come out in 1980, and this one didn't catch traction until a long while after, didn't it? Well, you know, the funny thing is, uh, the star of it, Peter O'Toole, was up for an Oscar for this, but nobody yeah, ever I fucking saw the movie. Had any traction. That would be the stunt no, man. Uh, again, nobody saw it. Yet he was up. That's how good the movie is. Because three people saw it, basically. That then, like, he has to be nominated. Uh, Richard Rush, who directed it, is a good underrated director of the period of time. But this is his 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 piece de resistance. The stuntman is just fucking amazing. This movie is this amazing. This movie fucks with you in a good oh, way. without a without a doubt. And, and, and no Peter O'Toole that it fucks with you. Like I don't be fucking with you now. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And we're not even gonna try to explain the plot. Just watch it. Seriously, just watch it. And next may it may not be his best movie, but it has his best ending, and that's Stardust Memories. Yep. The ending is him walk Woody Allen walking into a theater and sitting behind these two guys, and they're like, I miss it when he used to do funny films. Yeah, he used to be good. He sucks now. I think he's lost it. <laughs> yep. And just imagine you're a filmmaker in retrospect of your work, and you're sitting behind these two guys just totally shitting on everything you've done. <laughs> You know, but but of course it, it it was his sort of like fuck you to people that thought that too. You know, uh, yeah. the interesting thing for me about this film, and we talk about uh, 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 
the girl on the train, but his co-stars in this. His two co-stars in this is Charlotte Rampling and Jessica Harper. And, of course, you would know Charlotte Rampling from Sardos, Jessica Harper from Phantom of the Paradise, and and Suspiria. Uh, Very interesting choices. It's it's an interesting movie. It's not his best, but you won't be disappointed in it. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Next is a movie that was sold as a slasher, but it's damn sure not a slasher. And it's not and it's directed by an art film director, not a horror film director. And it also stars Susanna Love, who uh had a brief thing between this movie and the Haunts, another film called Haunts. Um I really like this film. We're talking about The Boogeyman. I really like this film. And it's basically uh, uh, a haunted mirror. Yeah. And some of the wackiest kills you'll ever see in a horror film. Also, some of the most interesting visual effects done for no money. Seriously. I mean, really, they sold this as a slasher film, but once you... How much did that fuck you up after seeing the trailer, Carl? Then you went and seen it, and you're like, you mean this is not a fucking slasher film? Well, I probably wouldn't have gone to see it if it were a slasher film. I wasn't a big slasher film fan. But I knew who Uli Lamel was. Yeah. And plus, also, I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it on, on HBO. Oh, so you didn't have that hype behind you thinking that you're going in watching the next coming Halloween, no. which they sold it as. No. Good little film. Good the little next film. is the first lead role of Christopher Walken, which is The Dogs of War. Yeah, he has been in a number of other films, too, of course. Now, this wasn't his first film by any means. No. Well, his first film was Next Stop Greenwich Village. But this is That's his first... first starring role. Yeah, this is his first lead role, yeah. And we're going to skip over those two. Into a sweet little film that entered the guy who was the king of the sweet little films of the 80s. And that would be Bill Forsyth. Who I love, I love Bill Forsythe. You know, we talk about this is a sweet, sweet, sweet little movie. I can't watch it because I got diabetes. (laughs) But actually, it's it's bittersweet too. It it doesn't have a happy ending. It has a interesting ending. Uh, He, you know, we talk about Alan Rudolph and his you know, being a romantic director and an oddball, you know. Same here with, with, with Foresight. Foresight just does some really odd little movies, and they're just lovely, you know. Uh, uh, but this is a great film. It was a great film. Yeah. and recommend it highly. 
And next is another uh, odd director who started out making art films and ended up making a zombie films, western, samurai films, uh, vampire movies, prison escape movies. And who would that be, Carl? Uh, well, let's see. Um, I can't remember. There's a ghost of a dog chance I can remember this. I, oh, yeah, I think it's Jim, uh, Jim, Jim Jarman. Jim Jarman. Permanent Vacation was his first movie, right? Right. Have you seen it? No, I have not, actually. This is the one I have not seen. It's not easy to see, by the way. I don't think it's ever gotten a DVD or, or Blu-ray release. Yeah. And we're skipping over da, da, da. three to the best musical of 1980. Carl has seen this movie over a hundred times. He loves this movie. He went to see it because Steven? he loves Nancy Walker's work. Steven? What? Take your fucking medicine. Oh, bullshit. You can't tell me you don't love Can't Stop the Music with the Village People. Fuck you. <laughs> oh. How can you not love a movie with a bunch of gay men dancing around in a shower to YMCA? <laughs> God bless it. And God. Bruce Jenner, soon to be Caitlyn Jenner, in the tightest, tallest, whitest shorts ever in movie history. <laughs> oh, it's so fucking bad. It's so horrible. And now we're moving really... on to one of the, if not the, USA classics, and that's The Children. This one is fun trash. Oh, absolutely. Love this movie. It's so much fun. It's true. And next is a movie being Carlos fought over. I think it's a great movie, and Carl don't like it, and that's Tom Horn with Steve McQueen. Well, wasn't this his last movie? I yeah. Think it was... Yeah. Yeah, he didn't just the, the other one. last ten minutes of it. Yeah. It's, it, it's a, you could tell that he was ill. You could tell yeah. that he wasn't well. It doesn't work for me because of that. It's painful to watch for me. So I, I, like, I like him. I like him a lot. McQueen. It's a shame. Oh, it's a good movie. It's based on the true story of one of Teddy Bell's Teddy Roosevelt's writers who was a hired gun. Yep. I was a bounty hunter. Yeah. 
Bounty Hunter. Bounty Killer. Killing Russell. Who ended up getting framed for a murder that he probably did commit, but the people who hired him threw his ass to the wind. Mm-hmm. It's not that bad. Catch it if you can. Moving on. Next is there were two films made by made on uh, Hunter S. Thompson's life and basically this was the first one and Carl agrees. This is the best one, and I'm giving this one to Carl. Where the Buffalo Roams of Bill Murray. Yeah, this this is a film that um, I love. I actually saw this. This is one of the last movies I saw at the drive-in before I left for New York. I think I saw this in, like, September when it came out that year. And Bill Murray nails it. The other thing I like about this movie is it doesn't focus so much on the drugs and like like Fear and Loathing does, but it focuses on him and his writing and what that means to him. There's also the wonderful uh, little scene with him and uh, Richard uh, Richard Nixon meeting in the uh, bathroom. Uh, you never see Richard Nixon, but he's there. Uh, but but to me, this is just a great little film. I think it's in many ways. Forgotten, unfortunately. Um, well, we, you know, we, we to, talked about with the Razor's Edge, two people weren't ready to see serious Bill Murray. Well, you know, this this sort of like there is that line because, of course, if you're talking Hunter S. Thompson, you're talking about this over the top personality who was manic beyond belief, and of course, that's right in in, in uh, Murray's. Uh, uh, wheelhouse, but there's also scenes of him writing. There's scenes of him creating, and you could see this spark in Murray in this movie. And that's nothing against Johnny Depp and what he does in, in Fear and Loathing. But to me, this one's more real. This one is more true to its subject. Doesn't focus Let's on the honest, Johnny much. Depp had two shots, and they both were the shit. No. Yeah, yeah. This is the movie to watch, as far as I'm concerned. And and trust me, both Stephen and I are in the minority in this. But yeah. we'll vote for this movie anytime. And I love Terry Gillum. And next is one of the better Truffaut films, and that's The Last Metro. Not that bad. Okay, you missed one real important one. Okay, which one? Okay, Dev Shep? No, no, no. Hopscotch. Oh, I just didn't like it. Hopscotch him. is one of what uh, one of uh, Matthau's best films. Seriously, Glenda Jackson. It's a it's a comic noir. Uh, and he's a uh, he's a retired uh, CIA agent. Who basically uh, uh, has a tell-all book, and they're out to stop him. And it's really good. If you haven't seen that, you should. I have. It's okay. The last Metro is great. Is another under is good too. 
Oh, yeah, I agree. Catherine Denude, you're on the Purdue, just for good. And next is one that we love that not too many people love or know of, the long cut, and that is Kenji Fukusaku's Virus. Screw that that Contagion movie. What Carl said earlier, and I agree. Screw Contagion, watch this. This is a better and more depressing movie. Oh, it, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. And let's not forget, anything with Sonny Chiba in it rocks. Period. Yeah. And next is one of me and Carl's all-time favorite films. And one of the best, quote, most quoted in lines ever, and that's, shoot straight, you bastards, and de- don't make a mess don't of it. Don't make a mess and of it. And that's yep. the great Breaker Morant. Edward Woodward, Jack Edward, Thompson, just and Brian, Brian Brown. Brown. Just a great film. Great fucking film. And I like Mother's Day. Carl thinks it's a piece of shit, and we both di- agreed that the island is a piece of shit. So move on. Okay. The island is a piece. Of... And next is House on the Park of the Edge, which has a great performance. House from, on the Park uh, of the Edge. Try try that again. Yeah. Trust House me. on the Edge of the Park. All of the trailers for this. Some idiot misplaced. The t- translated title is House at the Park of the Edge instead of House at the Edge of the Park. <laughs> oh, good God. The only David Hess is good in it. Uh, Giovanni Lombardo Redis is great in it. The rest of the movie is shit. Moving on. How to Beat the High Cost of Living. This one... I wish it had some teeth in it. Yeah, that's the problem with it. it. doesn't have any teeth. I agree. And next is... No, I have no son! Yeah, the jazz singer. If you like pain, watch this movie. <laughs> Hawk the Slayer. Watch it for Jack Palance as the bad guy. The Unseen... Watch it for Stephen first as a demented incest killer baby. Yeah, exactly. And with one of my the favorite exploitation lines ever. What? I asked myself, what kind of son of a bitch would rape his own sister and beat her half to death? And immediately I thought of you. <laughs> God. It was directed by Danny Steinman. <laughs> I don't think it was that one. And what's his name? And guess who plays the bad guy? And what, The Unseen? Yeah. Well, that's Stephen First. No, Sidney fucking Lassick is his dad. Oh, right, 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 right. Oh, Sidney Lassick, of course. And he's great. And next is the apple, which when Carl says, "Oh God, not that one, not can't stop the music," I say, "It could have been the apple." <laughs> In a lot of ways, I'll take the apple, but neither one of them. No thanks. 
God, yeah. horrible. And we have Jackie Chan's first really great movie, and that's The Young Master. It's good. It's on a. It's on Criterion right now. Watch it. Mm-hmm. And next is a movie that rips off Predator, played by the Predator. And I like this movie. Great, but if you get a chance without warning, it's fucking great. I mean, it has Jack Palance, Martin Landau in it. It's just fun. Yeah, it, 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 it's a lot of fun. It's trash, and it's beautiful trash. And next may be the bleakest, darkest, and most honest movie about the punk scene ever fucking made. And that is Dennis Hopper's Out of the Blue. Oh, I love wow. this depressing movie. When oh, the so man- so goddamn good in this. Yep. Linda Mans is awesome in this, too. Yeah, let's move on to something fun, because I'm just depressed just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes, it is that good and that depressing. If you like punk rock movies, watch Out of the Blue. The Octagon. You would think a movie with Chuck Norris and Lee Van Cleef would be better than it was. It was pretty bad. Speaking of pretty bad, let's take a comedy from the 60s and try to update it through the 80s, but not update it, and then make it seem like a musty piece of shit. And what do you get? The nude bomb. Accentuate the word bomb. Um, yeah, Maxwell Smart in the 80s does not work. And this next one is, I'm giving it to Carl because he loves it, and it's Inside Moves by Richard Donner. Go ahead, Carl. This this is, you know, we talk about 70s movies being depressing as fuck. And uh, this is a movie, now, Richard Donner just come off of... Uh, Superman and that sort of thing, but he wanted to do this little movie. He did it for no money. Uh, and he has David Morris and John Savage. John Savage had been in a couple films. David Morris, this was his first film. And it's a story of a basketball player who falls from like four stories but survives. And his 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 friendship and how he uh, helps this guy, uh, and 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 it also has to do with basketball. It is a very unique film, and it's a wonderful film, and it's very, it's just a great. And John Savage, as the as the guy who's hurt, is just fucking amazing. This is such a good movie, and very few people have seen it. Go check it out. Find it where it is. Watch it. Has my highest recommendation. Yeah. And next is one that has my highest recommendation. And it has one of the most artful lines from Gary Busey ever in a film. Okay. This art film line is, Come on, you fucking pussy. Throw the fucking ball. Can't you hit me, you fucking dickless piece of shit? Come on, you fucking asshole. 
<laughs> Carney. Carney. God bless this sleazy, nasty, grimy little beautiful movie. <laughs> yeah. Meg Foster, Gary Busey, Jody Foster. No relation. Robbie Robertson. God, this movie is just so grimy. You feel dirty watching it. Yes. Absolutely. It's, Absolutely. It's definitely, I consider it a must-see. What about you? Yeah, yeah. You should at least see it once. There's no doubt about it. It's a fun movie. And this one, just look up uh, The Fiendish Plot of Dr. Fu Manchu ending on YouTube, and you'll see the fun, only funny part of this movie. It's just sad it takes uh, 98 minutes to get there. Yeah. But those last two minutes, no- are, two minutes are fucking brilliant. But you know what? When you have three directors in it, you have a star that uh, is uh, basically depressed and, and and not doing well. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's, and you even have Helen Mirren in it, and she's not worth watching in this movie. Something is fucking wrong. But that ending, rock-a-foo music, rock-a-foo. <laughs> It's a whole. It's too much work to get the one laugh. Yeah. Oh, it's so much time. Is, is, what was it you called this movie? Uh, when, when ideas, when ran, ideas out. ran out. That was actually that was actually um, the guy from Time, uh, Richard Corliss, I think, uh, came up with that one. When yeah, ideas ran was, out. The last of the seventies disaster movies, and it's bad. It is so fucking bad. Here's the top three. Here's the top three of which one is the worst. When time ran out, Super Fuzz or Folks? What do you think, Carl? I'm going with Super Fuzz. Folks is actually not too bad. Certainly better than the other two you mentioned. Yeah, I will definitely say Super Fuzz. With an embarrassed Ernest Borgnine and Terrence Hill as a robot cop. Yeah. Yes, we didn't skip over contamination with the alien eggs that causes you to explode. But after that is one of our favorite sci-fi films that either will confuse the fuck out of you or you'll just love it to death. And that is Death Watch. Yeah, it's it's a European film directed by Bernard Tavernier, uh, and uh, starring Harvey Keitel, uh, Romy Schneider, uh, and I'm trying to think uh, who else is in it. Those are the two main people. Clap yourself. Uh, what? Harry Dean Stanton, slap yourself. Harry Dean, of course. Getting, he was okay. in the movie. That's right. Harry Dean's in it too. Uh, <laughs> but man, it is—it's uh, a thinking man sci-fi, and it has to do with uh, 
cameras and watching people and uh, cameras in your eyes and in your brain. And the woman is dying of cancer, so they hired hide this uh, uh, camera and Harvey Keitel's eye because of the future. We're dying of illness is exceedingly rare. So she becomes a celebrity because she's dying of cancer. So he hides, so he goes there and secretly films her. So they so the people of the world can watch and see what it's like to die. Mhm. Yeah, it's not exactly a happy film. <laughs> but it's really good. And and a lot well, of the ideas yeah. Hold on, a lot of the ideas were stolen by the Truman show. Yeah. Many, many years later. This is one to definitely watch if we can ever run into it. Yes, agreed. And fuck up the Academy, moving on. And next is one of the weirder films that Fun Classics did. And some people like it, some don't. I like it, and that is Hangar 18. This is a bizarre one. It's like a cross between Capricorn 1 and the hidden and the UFO conspiracy movies. What did you think of it? I have never seen it. That's one that I missed. What happened is the UFO crashes in Arizona due to a space collision with a NASA satellite launch. The USS government tries to cover up the incident for political reasons. And next is our first movie from a, that we got from a director that probably fucked up people when it first came out, and that is Paul Verhoeven's Spatters. I saw this in February of 1981. I just moved to New York City uh, and went to see this. Oh, good God. Talk about slapping your face. Just, uh, you, this this is something. Uh, the sexual uh, uh, content of the film is, is really high. Uh, but yeah. man, by the time you're, you, you end with this movie, your heart's torn out. And I do like his, his uh, foreign films, his Dutch films. Um, uh, uh, and Rutger Howard, too. This is the first movie we've seen Rutger Howard in over here, I think. I think so, too, actually. Yeah. As the gay man who seduces one of the boys by gang raping him. Yep. With one of the most brutal lines ever. Why did you do that to me? Well, I thought you'd like it. And then the boy just goes, yeah. God. This movie has like a whole. This movie is just one giant goddamn moment. Yeah. Exactly. Good. And 
And this movie is darker and brutal than any of the posters or any of the trailers will make it seem to be, and that is Fatso with Dom DeLuise. This is a comedy without comedy. Yeah. And it was directed by Anne Bancroft. And, yeah. of course, this was another film that Mel Brooks uh, um, uh, produced, or co-produced, I think. Of course, Anne Bancroft being his wife. And, God damn, it's too dark for its own good, and we like dark. Yeah, we do. We do. But, yeah, it's it, totally it's all. It's just it's just off tonally, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, you're supposed to laugh at the scene where he's trying to break into cabinets to get food, but you're really just cringing. Oh, yeah. And next is a movie yeah. that is so bad that it destroyed a company, and that's Blood Beach. Why do you like this film, Carl? Because I love the tagline, number one, and I just come on, come on. It's uh, you know, let, let's face it, Burt Young is fucking great in this. And let's not forget, it's the only other movie where Otis Young is in. Who's Otis <laughs> Young? Who? He's our friend from the last detail. Oh, the one who plays the captain. Yes. Yep. So, yeah. And here's a movie yeah, you I'm... just love uh, for the title. Dame Helen Mirren is in Hussy. <laughs> oh, like, I've, oh. never seen... I've never seen it, so I don't know it. And here well, is... I'd be okay uh, with that. Another, we're down on the deuce again for Zombie Holocaust, a.k.a. Dr. Butcher, M.D., where the story behind the movie is more fun than the movie itself. Just look it up. Battle Creek Brawl. They really couldn't sell Jackie Chan over here for shit, could they? You know, I like this movie. Uh, I like The Protector uh, better. Yeah. But it's a good, you know, this is okay. But it's not the film they expected to break him out as the next Bruce Lee over here. That's true. And how do you go from communion, one of the most violently anti-Catholic mean slashers ever that's fucking great, to Tanya's Island? Oh, fuck you. I love this movie. If you like it, because Tanya, because Vanity fucks a gorilla at the end of the movie. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Guess who's more okay, I'm more than okay than with that. that. It's, it's not a good movie, but come on. There are just certain movies you got to just love for the audacity that somebody actually put money down to make it. Not that he directed it, not that he wrote it, but the people thought this would make money. And finance. You know who had the most fun on that movie? The gorilla. Yeah, Rick Baker. <laughs> they 
pay me to grope Vanity's tits and fill her pussy and tits and then fuck her at the end of the movie. I'm okay with that. <laughs> and you know what the secret is? What? He really fucked her. <laughs> I it was Vanity's that. idea. She said, can you get your dick out of the bottom of that outfit? Uh, yeah, why? I want you to really fuck me for authenticity. And, of course, Rick Baker being a young 20-year-old boy guy and seeing Vanity, you know what his response was? Yeah, you're going to have to give me uh, backup on this story. <laughs> I don't believe a moment of it. Well, give me the interview. I'd love to see it. I'd love to find it. But anything off the old Fangoria's, they don't fucking, no one ever put them on fucking online. But how hilarious is that? Again, I don't believe it, so I don't think it's hilarious. But if it were true, it would be fucking hilarious. When something's that bizarre and have it's true. (laughs) No, that's not true. But I do like I do like Tanya Simon. Alfred Soul should have done more. He also had done uh, uh, actually done a porno before uh, before Communion, uh, aka Alice Sweet Alice. Um, I, I I like his work, and I like Tanya's Island. I think it's just so audacious and so out there. There's nothing else like it. Trust me. And then there's the Mountain Man, which I think uh, Vicky's mom likes this one, right? With Charleston Heston and Brian Keith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Moving on. And next is a slasher that it kills me that it's not easy to see because this guy is us and that's Fade to Black. This movie hurts in a good yeah. way. Yeah, and, and, and another thing, let's 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 also give a nod out to uh, the great Tim Tamerson, who's in this film. He's yeah, Tim Tamerson, uh, Dennis Christopher, Dennis Christopher, Mickey Rourke. Right. Yeah. Great little film. And we're skipping over this one to what I consider the most boring film to ever come out in 1980, and that's The Awakening. If you can't sleep, watch The Awakening. Yeah, seriously. Bad movie. Mummy movie. This one is one that I wish more people would see because I love this movie. It is so unique, and that's Resurrection with Ellen Burstyn. Sam Shepard, Richard Farnsworth. Robert's Blossom is in that, too. Let's not forget. Yeah. Resurrection is a good film. I saw that in New York. You're not going to see anything else like it. And I love the ending of the movie. It doesn't really answer any questions. And what the movie exactly. is basically about is Ellen Burstyn gets in an accident, then she comes back with powers. And then the whole movie becomes a theological argument. Yeah. Which, of course, I love. It's right up my alley. And it has a beautiful end shot, too, which I'm not going to ruin. 
Mm-hmm. Nope. That one you must just watch. It's good. And next is Breaking Glass, another great punk rock film from 1980. And the only other film that I know of that stars Phil Daniels, uh, who was in uh, Quadrophenia. Yeah. Oh, God. Crap, crap. Shitty crap, crap. And then we're on the Times Square. Another great punk rock movie. And this one is stolen by Tim Curry. Oh, absolutely. And next is a movie that Carl considers one of his classics. He considers it the best Chevy Chase film of the early 80s. Oh, fuck you. Yeah, fuck me for that one. I'm sorry. I apologize (laughs) for that one. Oh, Heavenly Dog is one of the most. Bizarre pieces of shit ever made. Seriously. Why would they think that people want to see a movie where Chevy Chase... (laughs) It's like 30 minutes of this fucking hardcore noir where Chevy Chase gets killed, and then all of a sudden, he becomes a fucking Benji. He becomes fucking Benji. And for the rest of the movie, he tries to find out and stop the girl that he's with getting murdered. And then she turns to a cat. And then they say they're going to fuck. Yep. Well, remember this. Joe Camp had, uh, had signed a, uh, a whole thing with Disney. And uh, he also did a film called Humps about a, a camel, an amorous camel in the Sahara with, um, I can't think of his name right now, but... Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't get Disney in the seventies and eighties. Some of it's just you know the the real family friendly stuff, and this is yeah, just here's so a bad. Movie that's better than it has any right to be, and that's Honeysuckle Rose. Willie Nelson is just so fucking good in this movie. Yep. The best way to describe this is a kinder, gentler version of Payday. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it's Jerry Schatzberg. Jerry Schatzberg is a really fine director. Uh, so, yeah. Agreed. And next is Gorp, the only Jewish summer camp movie ever made. No, there's, uh, I think there's one or two more. I can't remember. But, but yeah, yeah, it's not good, though. It's not good at all. And next is one of our most underrated. I'm skipping out. I'm going to skip out Rough Cut. These two are two of the most underrated. You have to fucking see these movies of 1980. As we're getting close to the end. And that's Christmas Evil and Harlequin. Now, Christmas Evil we have done watches of. Yeah. And, and God knows I love Christmas Evil. I just adore that film. And Harlequin is not what you expect, and that's why I love it. No, Harlequin is actually fucking amazing. And Robert Powell is a guy that I really like as an actor. And you don't see him too much, but he's in a lot of Australian films and English films. Uh, This one, there's another film called Thirst that he's in that's really good. 
but Harlequin is is a great film. It's hard to describe too because it's partially an omen film, maybe. It's definitely a Rasputin tale. Yeah. The fact that it's hard to describe should tell you that you should see it. Mm-hmm. And now we're on the Deuce again for three more Deuce classics, and that's Return to the 36th Chamber, where Gordon Liu plays a character who's faking being Gordon Liu from Enter the 36th Chamber. And next is Don't Answer the Phone with Nicholas Worth kicking ass and everything else sucks. And next is uh, Cannibal Apocalypse from Antonio Margariti with John Saxon. And it's just fun. And now we got Serial. Yeah, not good. Uh, no. Not good at all. Hotel Parasite. And now we got Windows, which is one of the most lesbophobic movies of the freaking 70s and that 80s, and that's saying something. And you said you had a story about this lesbianophobic movie. So go ahead, Carl. And it's the only directorial uh, 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 film of Gordon Willis, who was well-known as a cinematographer. Come in. And it's just bad. It's bad. It's, it's not good. When I say lesbian phobic, I'm being nice. This movie yeah, fucking he is. hates he is. lesbians. This movie fucking yeah. says despises lesbians. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, definitely. High Chess Girls, another kitty movie that we all watched on HBO. And then we got Borderline, which is an interesting movie with Charles Bronson that talks about illegals crossing the border and stuff. It's an odd little movie. Yeah, if you really want to see a good one like that, uh, uh, go see The Border with Jack Nicholson, directed by Tony Richardson. Uh, It's a much better movie than this one, unfortunately. This one I don't like. And this one is Night Kill. With by, it's by Ted Post with Robert Mitchum, Jacqueline Smith, Mike Connors, James Franciscus. I hope it's as good as the lineup seems it to be. Is it? I have not seen it. I do not know it. Okay. And next is one of the biggest disasters of the 80s. Holy Moses. Watch Try to find the bits with Andy Kaufman and Richard Pryor and then ignore the rest of this fucking piece of shit. Yeah, it's bad. And next is Deadline, which is a fucking insane movie. It's the only movie where at the end of it I yell out, This movie fucking killed us! This goddamn movie fucking shot us! I don't know it. So. It's bizarre. It's about a guy who's a scriptwriter who gets along with family and fans. He's writing a horror film, but then he starts imagining the horror film's weird. It's just fucking weird. Okay. And 
And we got the idol maker with Ray Sharkey, which I heard Ray Sharkey's fucking amazing in this. I've never seen it. He is. I have seen this movie, and it is really, really good. And, and Sharkey, this is probably his best role. And and uh, and and it's basically uh, based on the life of uh, Bob Marucci, who discovered uh, Frankie Avalon and Fabian and that. Uh, uh, so it's set in the fifties. It's again this nostalgia, but it, it's um, it's got an edge to it. It's got an edge, and it all has to do with Sharky, and he's great in it. I have absolutely watch this movie if you get a chance. Okay. Put that on my list. Next is, hey, Carl, what was the worst film that John Houston ever fucking did? <laughs> uh, let me guess. Uh, did it start Paul Michael Glazer? Yes. John Colicos? Yes. It's Phobia. Phobia. Oh, my God. This is a movie that a lot of... Uh, John Houston fans, when you bring it up, will say, this movie didn't happen. But, 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 this movie don't exist. But I got it right. No, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I'm one of those. (laughs) And next is a series that they really watered this one the fuck down when they made it into a movie, and that's the first Deadly Sin. Yeah, it's damn. It's a damn shame. It really is because this could have been Frank something. Frank Sinatra was pissed off about how much they watered it down from script to. Yeah. Okay. Da da da. And this one is one that you would not think would be great, but it is. And that's McVicker with Roger Daltrey, and to- directed by Tom Clegg. Oh, yeah. It's a good little film. Yeah. And moving on, we got Hero with Large with John Ritter, which is okay. Not as bad as you'd think it is. It's a very realistic film, which is why it's good. It's about a guy who gets a superhero outfit for a movie, so he just goes nuts and decides to play superhero. Puma, man. Fuck that movie. No, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Go ahead. We might as well talk about Taxi Sum Klo. Which, you know, uh, Taxi Sum Klo. Because this is a movie, uh, I didn't get to see it until later, but I remember it being here in, in New York. It is one of the premier LGBTQ films. And, and and if you have any interest at all in, in gay film, you got to see it. Seriously. Oh, cool. Okay. Okay, go ahead. I had to, I had to go there. And there's one of the last and most bizarrely paced Charlie Brown movies ever, and, one, and the meanest one, I think, and that's Bon Voyage, Charlie Brown, and Don't Come Back. Jesus, is this movie fucking mean to Charlie Brown? <laughs> um, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and oh, we got to talk about the next one. The... What? 
we've got to talk about the next couple. So I'm going to take these real quick. Roadie. Go ahead and go with Brody. So go with the happy hooker goes Hollywood first. Okay, well, okay. Happy hooker goes Hollywood is the least of the three of them. And the last. Uh, with Mark. No, no, actually, actually, uh, uh, there's Hollywood and then there's Washington later. Washington oh. is later. And that's the better one. That's the one with Joey Heather. This one is okay, but it's not that good. But it does have Adam West. And Adam West did have this, this it has Richard Deacon, too. Um, ha- had this thing for softcore in the 80s. And I don't blame him. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's okay. It's not great. You can miss it. The quote Adam West, the check cleared and he got to fuck a lot of young, nubile women. Why wouldn't he do them? Yeah, exactly. But Rhodey, you need to see. Rhodey is a great yeah. guy. Meatloaf, Art Carney, Alice Cooper, and directed by Alan Rudolph. Yeah. Seriously, great little film. Do the whole three. I think we're more than fine. I think we went through enough. Three. I think we well, did pretty well, but we'll take a look. We may do find one. the ones that we need to talk about before the show. Right, exactly. But next week for Father's Day, we're going to do a movie titled All of You Need to Do on Father's Day, and that's Come to Daddy. Ooh, we're going to do Come to Daddy? Yeah, Come to Daddy with uh, Stephen McHattie and Elijah Wood. When it comes to weird films, if you see Elijah Wood in it nowadays, that's like a guaranteed seal of approval. Yeah. Yeah, another thing is we worship at the altar of Stephen McHattie. This is a movie I wanted to see when it was out in the theaters. But it was right before the theater shut down for coronavirus here in the city. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so I was unable to see it. But now it's it's available on Amazon Prime, and we're going to do it next week. I actually call family, and they say on the inside of the DVD Blu-ray I got, here's a digital copy for you or your family. So I'm going to give it to my brother from another mother. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. You're my brother. Hey, we're following little technicalities. He's my brother. What is the lookalike? <laughs> be worth wearing hey, glasses. Hey, you're family. You're always going to be family, and I'm, I'm not joking on that. Yeah. Always well, family. Well, tell them, we both have glasses, and I, we both have bald spot, and women hate us, 
We're fathers! <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we're really That's going through that. And I hope you notice from the really eclectic mix that the drive-in film was out by 1980. You notice that we really didn't have maybe one or two drive-in films. Yeah. And most of the exploitation we got was deuce films. Yep. Italian exploitation films and stuff. That was one of the best Halloweens ever. It was like, Halloween, come see Motel Hell for 80 cents. What? Yeah. That motherfucker sold out within 30 minutes of the box office opening. Yeah, Motel Hell is such a fun movie. It really is. You need to see that. Well, can you imagine? I mean, even back then, 80 cents wasn't nothing. It's like, 80 cents? Come yeah. see Motel Hell. Whoa! We're there. No question. For the first four or five years it was open, my uh, theater had Halloween showing. They would just get a horror film and charge like a buck, a buck, two bucks, something like that, and then clean up at the fucking oh. snack bar. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, Stephen, what else is going on? Anything else? We don't have anything on DLN happening. Uh, Next Sunday is probably going to be, well, we already said next Sunday has come to Daddy, and the Sunday after that is going to be the LBTT show because we don't want to half-ass this one. We want to full-ass it. Ooh. That's a joke, but this is one we can't fuck up. No, I agree. Agreed. Well, listen, we thank you very we much, Stephen. This was a lot of fun. We probably will, but we don't know yet. That's true. That's true. Well, I'm trying to think if there's anything else on my end. Not too much. We're in good shape. Well, we could just go on Shutter and watch Hogzilla with Joe Bob. <laughs> no. Oh, no, Hogzilla. you already have. I don't. I don't need to see it. Trust me. What? I don't need to see it. Yes, you do. It's Hogzilla. Oh, it's got creeps. It's got demons and critters and creepy things. But no hogs. <laughs> there you go. Come on, Hogzilla. Hogzilla. All right, I'm, I'm getting out of here. I'll see you later. All right. Okay. Any, anything else before we hang up? Yeah, make sure the lights are off and hang up and... Uh, Make sure to lock the doors on your way out because it's your job to clean up tonight. Okay, fair enough, man. I'll clean up. I'll I'll eat the popcorn off the floor, all that sort of shit. No problem. And good night from Steve's Video Store. Thank you for renting. And good night, everybody. Thank you very much. Good night.